this, this, this is straight, straight, straight out of Crumpton with your host, Greg Crumpton. Hello, everyone. Yes, another episode of Straight Out of Crumpton. I'm Tyler Kern, joined by Mr. Greg Crumpton himself once again. Greg, welcome. How are you, man? Man, I'm doing good. Um, kind of a weird morning. I've been in. I've been in Hurricane Watch, and we're yeah, recording right. this. We're recording this the morning of uh, when Hurricane Ian is gaining groundswell and coming into uh, what looks like it's going to hit Tampa. So we've got uh, friends, family, coworkers, what have you, in Florida. So I've been kind of making some calls and you know doing all that good stuff. Uh, hopefully in vain, prepping for that. So. But um, I do see you have on your Mr. Rogers uh, right. orange cardigan looking very nice. So congrats on the fall Thank weather. I, I prefer to think of this color as pumpkin rather than burnt orange because uh, as an Aggie, I'm contractually obligated to never actually wear burnt orange. And so oh, I need to deny gotcha. that, that uh, this is fall foliage uh, colors, but whatever. That's not the point. <laughs> well, it looks good on you, son. Anyway, you're looking good. Thanks, man. Thank you. It's a nice, nice and uh, cool morning here in Dallas for the first time in uh, about nine months. So, you know, you take it when you can get it. And when you have the opportunity to wear a sweater, you do it, even though it's going to be like 87 later today. So, you know, you make the best of it, Greg. You make the best of it. You soak it up, baby. Soak it up. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Well, Greg, this is uh, people don't know this because we release these podcasts at different times, you know, and, and kind of on weekly inter intervals and, and that sort of thing. But this is the third consecutive day that we have done a podcast together. And third consecutive day, we have an incredible guest. We're joined today by Michael Donahue, who is joining us here on Straight Out of Crumpton. Michael, welcome. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, we're uh, we're honored to have you. It's um I was just thinking last night when I was looking at the calendar, Tyler, you're right. It is the third day in a row. Um, kind of odd, isn't it, that we get to work together daily now, but I love it. So, um, Mike, it, you know, we, we've known each other for so long now, it seems like. Um, and, you know, I w- it, it sounds so weird to say that, but we've been through a lot of stuff together separately. You know what I mean? Like, we, we, we've both done our own thing. We've, we've traveled, we've worked for companies, but the thing that we've done, I think, and, and I attribute this a lot to you uh, because you're diligent with it. You, you've kept us connected. And, uh, you know, part of what our, our message here on the, on the podcast is, is how our, how people come in our lives, stay in our lives, you know, weave in and out. And, uh, You've done a great job, and and I, and and you know I, I hope I've taken your lead on it fairly well. And over the years, we've stayed connected. We talk about business stuff. We talk about you know we're talking about horses earlier. Um, we were together. I guess where were we, man? Vegas or somewhere? I saw you last. San Antonio and, uh, or San Antonio, Austin? I don't know. Maybe, maybe. maybe yeah, maybe, maybe it was Austin. Uh, and we were talking about you living out in Reno and, and having the yeah. equine, uh, a daughter who's got the equine gene. So uh, it's just fun. You know, we get to talk uh, HBDC if we want to. We talk data center. Um, you and I first met, I think you were working at Stalls back then, if I remember right. Um, yeah, you know, it could have been Stalls. It could have been Liebert. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it, it's all infrastructure related. So glad you're here. 
Give us a little, uh, give us a little snapshot how you how you wound up here uh, at this point in your life, and uh, you know, kind of a little bit of a background bio thing just to catch everyone up. Sure, uh, I'm well. I'm day older and dirt like most of us. <laughs> Been doing data centers. Uh, I think my first data center, you know, was in the U.S. Army. Uh, I was an engineer for them, and then I got out, and my first project was there in uh, Manassas, uh, no, actually Ashburn, uh, for good old AOL, if you can remember those CDs and everything you used to get as a civilian. And then, uh, yeah, just kept doing the mechanical cooling, uh, looking at different variations of mechanical cooling. That's, for me, that's the that's the piece, right, is, is looking at the technology, how we can tweak it, what can we do differently, you know, what's good, what's bad, what works, what doesn't, you know, and then, uh, you know, and then making happy customers, right? And that's uh, living that servant lifestyle and leadership, you know, is, you know, yeah, the product acts as a certain way, but sometimes when you get it out of the lab and you put it in the field, it doesn't. So those are the kind of the nuts I like to crack and, and get it figured out. Uh, so yeah, I've been doing that most of my career. I got about, about almost 35 years of doing that stuff like you, man. Uh, we've been at it a while, you know, and then we get some crazy stuff, you know, uh, you know, uh, plants wanting to cool air, heat air, and then put it into their labs. You know, we've done some crazy stuff together. And I think what really is is interesting for us is you and I always pick up, seems like, where we left off. We could go a year without actually connecting. You and I pick up exactly where we left off, you know, talking about whatever our house is, moving. And t same to you as in Florida, I had a little concern too. I have family in Tampa as well as my parents are on the Melbourne Atlantic side. Should only get some rain on that side, maybe some wind, but uh, yeah, same thing, man. I'm worried about the Florida folks. Yeah, I wish them well. We've got uh, four companies down there and, and friends as well. So um, maybe, maybe the bark's worse than the bite, but uh Hopefully everyone will be safe and, and will come out unscathed. Um, you, you said uh, a couple of things there. One one was, and, and Tyler and I talked about it yesterday when we were recording. Um, it's not the problem, but it's how you solve the problem. And I made a comment. Uh, people probably thought it was crazy, but I think that our end user relationships can sometimes be better with customers that we've solved problems with, as opposed to uh, those customers who have had nothing but a grand experience every time, because there's no appreciation for um, how far you're willing to go or how deep you're willing to dig to solve that problem. And I, don't, I, I won't go down that rabbit hole again yesterday because it went pretty deep. I had this about shovel, about neck deep in it. But, uh, you know, I, I really believe that. And, and I think that uh, problem solving is something I enjoy doing. It's not something that you set out to do because, you know, God knows you don't want to create a problem to go solve it. But um, now, you know, I know some people I, I might have to rethink that. But um, anyway, I uh, I really do uh, believe in that. But then your point of where you and I uh, <clears throat> can just, you know, reconnect wherever we are, wherever it, we happen to find each other and I think the last time I was walking through the lobby with a coffee and you hollered at me across the room and, and then we just had a few minutes on the couch and we caught up and it was really, really cool. And we talked about actually recording this podcast uh, then. And um, I had to bribe you like a hundred times with, with hundred dollar bills, but finally, finally I got you. But, you know, I think that's a sign of, uh, 
not only friendship, but mutual appreciation, you know, for where people are in their life and what they try to do and how they try to serve uh, either the public or their customer or whatever uh, they happen to be doing. Um, I just think it's a, a, a really cool human trait that you have. So uh, appreciate, I appreciate that. So, you know, there's so much to talk about, um, but what I'm really curious about is who are some of the people that may have been in the army that affected you, uh, parents, how, who, who kind of gave you that, uh, little shot of, of, I want to call it the it gene because some people have it. Some people don't have it. You have it. Um, and God, I've, I've tried to define what it is for a long time and it's hard to define, but you know it when you see it, um, who who you attribute to to giving you some of that good good medicine early? Yeah, I think my parents. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be uh, as funny as it may sound. Uh, my dad was in the oil business, and uh, you know he worked more servicing the oil rigs, you know, keeping the rigs going and that kind of thing as a safety and uh, uh, structural engineer. And believe it or not, my mom back in the day was actually an electrical engineer with Western Electric. So, you know, I think having probably one of the first female engineers that Western Electric ever had uh, was quite something for her back in her days, uh, too. You know, and, uh, you know, I think they gave me the wherewithal to kind of look at problems and try to figure out solving. And then as well as going into the military, I spent 11 years in the military, six and a half on the east west German border uh, with the DMZ. Uh, and then three years in Mainz, uh, just, you know, figuring out things. And then what my job was, it basically in Mainz was, you know, the downshift, right? Is, you know, now we're, the war's over, the Cold War's over, border's down. Now we got to bring all the junk home. <laughs> so it was kind of more of a logistical thing. So it was not, now another nut cr to crack and stuff like that. And then, yeah. All right, tell us what Mainz is, I believe is the word you use. What is that? Mainz, Germany. Uh, it's a, just a town in Germany. It's where oh, the Mainz okay. Army Depot was, and that's where we brought equipment in to prepare it <clears> to <throat> go to its either scrapyard or wherever we were going to send it next. Or Afghanistan, you could always or, send yeah. it there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bosnia, wherever you know, <laughs> those fun places <laughs> back in the day. You know that my dad, uh, and I, I don't know why, but I've been on. I've, I've been thinking about my dad a lot lately, and, and posting a few things about him and. He spent a lot of time in Germany in the military. He was a he was in the communications corps. Uh, that's where he learned radio and, and microelectronics back in the day. But um, I think a lot of his discipline also came from being in the army and understanding how to uh, get get on a team, how to perform with a team, um, and accept whatever role you happen to be. And typically in the army, you're assigned the role. You don't necessarily earn the role. Uh, I, I think learning how to accept what you were given, uh, like, you know, it's not it's not a perfect day every day. Here's what today looks like for you. You know, uh, whatever his rank was, Corporal Crumpton, here you go. And, uh, you know, you got to figure that out at that time. And, and I think a lot of people, Mike, today, um, they struggle with that in, in that they don't like to be told what to do a lot. People are very independent uh, thinking, which is good to a degree. 
but sometimes you have to just be an Indian and not the not the chief and um, or Native American, I should say, to make this PR correct, but um, or PC. But that seems to be a problem for people right now in in our society, regardless of age, demographic, or anything. Just people in general. Um, I don't know. Do you do you see that? Or I mean, you you have uh, grown kids or semi-grown kids, so. How do you, when you look at your kids and how they're developing into, you know, the nice humans that you really worked hard to make them, do you see any of that? I mean, what, what's your take on on uh, people right now? That's a big topic, by the way. Yeah, it's funny you mention that. You know, it's because, you know, my, you know what my son does, and uh, he's followed basically in my footsteps. Uh, he's went through the Air Force, HVAC guy, uh, now over at Carrier uh, doing his thing. And uh, my daughter, you know, same thing was is not really HVAC, but she's, you know, a school teacher and doing her thing. And now my daughter here uh, trades. I call it tradesman. She trains these wild Mustangs, you know, horses that never seen a human. And she makes them suitable humans, <laughs> suitable horses for humans. <laughs> well, she knows a thing or two about personalities. Yes, she does. She can read people and she's really good at read people, read the horses, read the animals, look at the flinching uh, from those. I think it's, it. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's influenced from, from the internet or media, because that's where my bread and butter comes from. But uh, at the same time, I just really don't know what it is, you know, that, uh, I think when I back when I think back at the military days, I always reflect back on those sometimes and go, "Man, did we work with a lot of not a lot of equipment to make things happen? We we band-aided, you know, I've pulled engines out of things with a tree limb, hoping the tree limb doesn't break, just so we can keep the mission going, right? Uh, and I don't know if people are doing that today. No, I agree, and I think a lot of that centers around innovation, personal innovation, and how how crafty can you be and you know, you you said uh, something that my, that triggered for me was we've done so much for so long with so little, we can do damn near anything with nothing. Um, and, you know, that sentiment, uh, when I was a young guy working in the field, um, and by the way, I'm very jealous now of what our field guys have to work with, right. the field guys and ladies, really cool tools out there right now. Um, you figured crap out. And I, we have evolved as a people to a lot of, of, of convenience and we don't have to figure as much stuff out on the fly because there is a tool or an app for that. And um, I think that's good because I think it makes us more productive as humans, but I also think it takes a little bit of our innovation uh, ability uh, or, or creative juices away maybe is the right way to say it. And a little bit of imagination. I think that's being lost, uh, you know, yeah, to create something out of your own, you know, and, and a problem that you find yourself into, whether you're troubleshooting a piece of equipment or an application or something, and just using simple imagination, not allowing the, uh, you know, what you like you said, the apps or whatever to figure it out for you. You you, you make sure it works, you know. Well, I have, uh, I'm not an Elon Musk fan. One, I just want to be on record with that. I think the guy does some really cool stuff. I also think he can be a little bit out there. But then I look at other people who have done great things and the ability to, to look beyond 
not only what's next, but what's way freaking next. It is, uh, it's incredible to be able to, to, to have that much vision to create the, uh, the sight link or whatever they call uh, Musk's satellite uh, network. Um, Amazon, you know, the ability to foresee taking a bookseller and now making it the world's largest marketplace. How I don't I'm I'm baffled by the creativity, but I'm also uh, baffled by the uh, I, I would call it the ability, but the ability to forecast that big of a vision, man. I mean, how cool is that to think that somebody thought about or I mean, we're we're sitting here on a, a, a video conference call, somebody envisioning this and being able to implement it. Um, I just, I, I relish the, the thought people have like that would be really cool just to kind of be able to glimpse into their thought process a little bit. I, to me, the technology excites me every time we're, we're going forward or someone like that is like, as you say, is forward thinking, right? Past the next step, you know, going further, you know, that's, that shows the creativity and then getting the buy-in, you know, people got to push you that way too, you know, you got to get carried to the <laughs> to, to the goal you're going with, and getting those people to believe that you're going in that direction. That that and believing in that imagination, that creativity. That that's really hard. Um, I, I have involvement with three startup companies right now. Um, one's a little more mature. One's in the middle, and one's a baby. And one of them, the oldest one's eight years old, and the technology that these folks, it's Adam Power, you know, um, the, the ability to get people to think beyond what is current is difficult. You know, Adam Power is, is really state-of-the-art technology, you know, it, but it's revolutionary in how power is, is handled, electricity is handled. And getting people like us uh, who are bald and gray in certain areas to be able to think differently about what they've always done is a challenge. Um, so uh, you can be really innovative, but until you get that tie, that buy-in, like you said, is it, really difficult. Even, even when it's so darn in your face that it's the future and it's good, it's still hard to get uh, buy-in. So yeah, I, I totally, I totally get that. And you know, humans. I always thought it was our industry. I always thought the HVAC industry, and it is. It's slow to adopt and to adapt. Um, change is not something that HVAC people do very well. But as I've traversed different, you know, groups of people with these startups, it's not just us. It's just people in general are hesitant to make a change even when there's such a huge value, uh, it's not worth it yet. You know, like I think we're always as uh, we as people, when we're determining, do I want to stay the course or do I want to try something new? You, you always get to that inflection point of, okay, is the pain worth the gain? Um, and, um, you know, maybe I, I think, I think founders, and people like me who are believers and founders and, and idea people, uh, 
you know, you always believe your own hype more than you're able to transfer that hype to other people. So maybe I'm not good enough at hyping. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, you know, and it's always funny uh, when you mention the buy-in too, uh, particularly in the world I play in is getting buy-in from, you know, your corporations that, hey, this might not be where the direction we want to go in. You know, is, is it really truly proven? Do we want to invest? Uh, I was like, Okay, you know, it's kind of dream killer leadership at the same time. <laughs> you know, I kind of liken that to where it says, how much does it cost to train your people and the chance of them leaving? And then juxtapose that with how much does it cost not to train your people and they stay, you know? Um, so you kind of have to decide which way to go with that. But so what... I'm curious because you you are out in the in the real world a lot. What do what do you see technology wise coming along um, that that's really cool that you're supporting? And who are some people you're watching? Like who who are some people that have your fancy struck right now? Whether you know it be uh, authors or, or inventors or or you know Mustang Wranglers. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, I don't really deal much with the horses, but I have learned a lot about the old school trainers like Buck Brenneman and uh, uh, Torrance. Uh, and also, you know, you mentioned Elon. Uh, I think he, I find him fascinating. I find, uh, you know, <laughs> sometimes he gets a little squirrely on us, but I find his vision kind of fascinating. I also, you know, I always find myself going back to the trades. And getting back in there and seeing the guys on LinkedIn, like Trevor and Gary and those guys, uh, they're doing some really good things. Uh, things that we've never we never had when we were in the field. Actually, how to use these new fancy specialized tools and how how <laughs> every time I see, uh, I think one from either Trevor or Gary, I'm like, Good Lord, well, I love to have had that in the field, you know. And uh, that's kind of where my interests always peak into. As far as product, what I I think we're seeing is you know water's bad you know now, especially out here in the west so we're, we're running from water uh but liquid cooling seems to be the one that uh, seems to be the darling of the ball right now and whether it is uh single phase two phase whatever uh positive pressure negative pressure whatever the system uh of choice might be i think that's where we're kind of seeing things going uh i think where we might get in a little problem is you know Retrofitting old data centers. What are we going to do with these old buildings? Because the raised floor and the whole thing there. Uh, but you know, I think uh, liquid cooling's the darling right now. We're going back to air cooled economizer kind of cooling, uh, and that's what I'm kind of seeing right now off the off the top of my head. Uh, fan wall designs, that kind of stuff. I love liquid cooling, and and um, I'm, I'm also <laughs> I'm also saddened by it with the uh, demise of ebullient because we were. About eight years too early, I think. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I, I still talk to my friends that were part of that. And, you know, Tim Shedd, uh, he was a PhD guy behind that. He's now an uh, innovation guy at Dell. So what what Ebullient taught a lot of people is being utilized, you know, it's just being utilized in a uh, – in a patent a Dell patent supported way instead of a Crumpton financial kind of way. But, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> you know, I, you know, 
I, I love I love that too. And and we talk and we've had several of those guys on the podcast, McCready and Trevor, um, Troy Danko, you know, they have some really cool tools. And these young ladies that are coming through right now are just rocking it. When I was in the uh, military, we had to go through these, you know, training courses, these VOTEC kind of courses, just like apprenticeship schools out there in the real world. Uh, and when I went through, I went from power generation to HVAC, uh, that's where we actually, in 1985, when I did this, uh, we actually had three female soldiers that were in HVAC, that were HVAC techs, uh, training to be HVAC techs. And that's where, you know, you saw the positivity, you know, that, that, you know, to us, they're green. Everybody's green. You know, <laughs> you're going to fix my air conditioner. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> uh, and I think that's really you know, good. And now I, we're starting to see it out here in the trade more and more each day. And I think that's super good. I mean, I, we need to fill these jobs and what a better resource than uh, the ladies or the females, you know, I mean, awesome. Right. And they're smart. That's the cool thing is they're smarter than us goofballs. Um, and, and we, and Mike, uh, last Friday, we had a young lady on the podcast that we were recording, Je uh, Jessica Bannister, uh, Vancouver um, uh, area in Canada. And man, th this lady went through what, Tyler, she said 10 or 12 years of corporate life doing uh, typical, typical, you know, office work, realized that her family had a little company. And uh, she's like hearing all these stories from dad and brother, of, you know, they're out and about doing their thing, having fun, living life outside. She's like, screw this. I'm, I'm joining that posse. And uh, she's third year apprentice now uh, and, and still manages the office. So <clears throat> she and her brother, and, and I, I don't think I'm talking out of turn. I'm pretty confident she said this, you know, their plans were to take over the company. Um, but having her knowledge of how the office runs and doing everything, billing, parts, ordering, all that, and knowing the technical side of it as her apprenticeship is, is allowing her to learn, what a better owner, you know? Like, what, what else could you want uh, than to have somebody? And, you know, people probably hate me on this, but I think women are the smarter of all of us. Um, and I love I, I really do. I mean, when I had my little company, you know, we had a lot of smart ladies in there running that show. Uh, and, you know, you think about what women bring to a, a workforce and typically they've got a whole nother circus they're running outside of the work. They're running their life and their kids and their husband and their maybe an elderly parent, whatever, PTA, Girl Scouts. Girls on the run, soccer, and then they come and do the simple job, which is, hey, I got to do this gig. You know, it seems pretty easy because there's a defined plan around work. Somebody calls us, we enter it into the system. I call Joey or Deborah, send them out. They make a repair. We send the bill. We collect money. That's a defined set of problems grandma and the kids ain't a defined set of problems. So I think if, if you can harness the power of that and bring that into the workplace, it makes us all better. Oh, I agree. I agree with you. When you were running your business, you look at the business I was running uh, for that particular company at that time. <laughs> and uh, it was all 
female ran, uh, you know, from the partner contracts to the dispatching to uh, tech support to everything. It was all uh, female ran. And uh, yeah, I think we, we were very successful team meetings, uh, you know, getting, getting them developed, uh, getting them out in the field so they could see what these guys were looking at and talking about. And uh, yeah, I think that was made us successful what we did as particularly with our service partners, like you guys, uh, you know, getting them in front of you guys and uh, making sure that we always had a connection, right? Uh, was paramount to our success overall and gave you guys some great lead on customers as well, you know, from a manufacturer, you know, taking it to the next level. And I think that you just, you nailed it right there with the uh, FaceTime. You know, you, you can have all the success in the world and have all these great plans and processes in place. But if you, if you can take your team or, or part of it and go sit with the other half of the equation and have a sandwich in a conference room and just have an hour or two hours together and, and, and bond a little bit, man, it makes those problems so much easier to solve. You know, you, you spend, let, let, I mean, if you look at the math and I've done this a lot, you know, back of the napkin kind of deal, you spend $3,000 on a trip, send a couple of people out of town for, you know, you're going to burn two days out of the office. You've got the hotel meals, travel, all that good stuff. So you spend three grand. How much money do you save by spending that three grand on the front end versus losing 10 grand in warranty issues, callbacks, unproductivity. Is that a word? Non-productivity is probably a better word. But having the ability just to, to spend that money on the front end, come back uh, refreshed, you know that April is April and I can call her and talk to her and Bob is Bob and I can call Bob. You have that, that chemistry. It, as easy as that sounds, it goes so far in a true partnership where, you know, if you look up that word, it means I handle my problems like I handle your problems and vice versa. So I'm really your agent. And uh, to be able to handle that well, I don't think you can do it all electronically. I'm, I'm still a believer in, you know, I, I go back to that old United Airlines commercial where the old gray-headed boss guys walking around handing out airline tickets and they go, what is this? You know, and he's like, this is an airline ticket. You're going to look at your customer tomorrow. Some some iteration of those words, because they lost a customer because they weren't in front of them. And um, we, you know, this pandemic has proven yes, we can we can supplement our relationships with what we're doing right now um, with with technology. But being able to go see Tyler and and look at those uh, scarves hanging on his wall back there in person. And I like, I like the red one with the white, you know, but to be able to have that conversation in person is so much better. And I'm going to do that one day. Um, I, I just think that you can't beat it. I don't think you can beat one-on-one. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. You can't beat that personal relationship. And plus it goes outside the business. You know, you get involved and uh, you want to understand the the makeup of everybody that works with you, works uh, under you or, or around you. And that's kind of where I've always approached it. You know, I try to understand everybody's pain points or, or what's going on. And today, I, 
far as I know is I'm still in contact with most of the folks I've ever worked with, uh, you know, and try to try to stay and they reach out and say, hey, do you know anybody looking for another HVAC tech? I said, yeah, I can find you a job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's easy money right now. Yeah. So that <laughs> give me something. Give me a challenge. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so, you know. And talking about events, um, so last week we had our big corporate event where we had 175 people from 44 of the companies that we own and operate came together and we did the, you know, the daytime stuff where we sat in a conference room and, and did all that stuff that we do at corporate meetings. But that that time together from 3 p.m. to midnight was so much more, no, 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 that's not fair. It was equally valuable to what we learned during the day. They're both important, but to be able to pick up a phone call uh, from, from somebody that I just met from our office we just bought in, in Toronto, now that I've got that personal bond with, it's a totally different thing than it was two weeks ago. And and uh, we get to do that again next week. And I told you guys I was going to Houston uh, this coming weekend. And uh, we've got 47 people coming together for our safety conference. And these are not all safety folks. You know, these are folks like us that do everything. And that's one of the hats they get to wear during the day. And uh, we've done, I think, I don't know, maybe 12 of these over the course of the years. I do. I try to do two a year. But the, what happens at, at these gatherings is incredible because we bring in some really smart people. Safety Justice League is coming in this time. Um, our, our friends at Locked and our insurance people, you know, we bring in all of our partners and we, we learn during the day. And then at six o'clock at night or 630, everybody gathers on the hotel bar and they lie and they talk smack on each other for an hour. Then we go to dinner. And then after dinner, people do various things. But that time from when we break, you know, out of the classroom setting until everybody goes to sleep, I have been able to personally witness in this group in particular, it's like a little case study. That group has congealed or congealed so nicely. And when we bring in new 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 uh, contacts, because we're always growing, because we're always buying companies, it's so cool to watch new people come into that group and how they get absorbed and then how quickly they become uh, an integral part of the program because we have that face time and because they can sit there and have a beer together or have a cup of coffee together and talk about stuff other than what's on the agenda. The agenda is good. We learn about, you know, art flash and we learn about whatever safety stuff. But to be able to talk about, okay, I'm struggling with a job that's not safety related, but maybe I've got a communication issue with a technician or I don't know how I can talk to this admin without offending her. So you go to a lady in the group and say, you're really good on this EQ piece. Show me what I'm missing. You know, you just there's so many tools that get to come together that you just can't get in a digital format or or. I'll say, I hate to use absolutes. It's really, really difficult to get that over a digital format as opposed to that one-on-one. So, you know, we, we, we say relationships are the essence of this podcast. And by God, I'm convinced more so than ever they are.
in real life. I honestly, yeah, I honestly believe after your formalities of your training during the day, the real partnerships begin after the training. That's where people start to learn about each other uh, in that group. And that's where, you know, they form the partnerships, as you mentioned, and they can rely on each other to say, hey, you know, have you experienced this? Have you lost all one of these? Do you know this manufacturer? Can you help me here? And then I honestly believe that's where the true, that's where the true sauces, the special sauces is in that area where people can actually, you know, shed their uh, <laughs> uniforms a little bit, if you will. And we've got everything in that particular group from from a, a, a company president to through a, a second year apprentice, you know, that's the safety contact for maybe that small company. But uh, really, it, it's I just love that, that dynamic. So, Tyler, you know, we're talking here from from a 50 plus uh, year old viewpoint. And, and are we on track or are we are we off track on thinking about this this human bond issue before, during and after the events? Do you see that with, with your uh, your peers? Uh, is that normal? Are, are you guys a little your age group a little more? not as touchy feely in person. I mean, what, what, what's your, what's your, I don't, I don't mean to pry. No, I, I, I think that, I think that, um, one of the most profound impacts of the pandemic was really teaching my generation that had largely, um, grown up. I, I guess I, I kind of came, uh, came of age during a time when you could start to communicate more online than you would in person. So I get home from school in middle school and you could hop on AOL Instant Messenger. Uh, I think that's a... How many times have we mentioned AOL on this podcast? Um, <laughs> Three. But, it's a record. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Uh, so you'd hop on AOL Instant Messenger and start talking to all your friends from school, you know, and... Um, then, you know, dad would come kick you off the computer or whatever. But um, I think maybe I'm, I'm one of the older people, I, I suppose, in, in my generation. They can, they can think about um, how we started to communicate uh, a lot online and, and through messaging and that sort of thing. And I think one of the, the things that the pandemic really did was reemphasize to us as a generation the importance of still getting together in person um and the importance of community not just in a personal sense but also in a business sense and i think that we miss that more than you would assume that a group of you know older 20 somethings younger 30 somethings would and that's been something that i've really noticed is that the ability to get back in front of people has been important for not just market scale as a business, but for, I, I think us personally, just to be able to build those relationships and uh, whether it's at a trade show, at an event, at a conference seminar, or just having people come to our office, um, not being able to do that for a couple of years, you realize the the value of it. And uh, look, I think all of the different video conferencing and, and, you know, conversational and collaborational uh, tools are excellent, but none of them really replace the ability to just sit down. Greg, like you were talking about, uh, sit down on a couch in a hotel lobby and have a coffee or have a drink and, and just chat with someone about, hey, what's going on? Because um, you lost that element of uh, 
randomness, I suppose, to conversations. Everything on a Zoom has to be so planned uh, that I need to send you a link. You, you don't just bump into someone on Zoom and end up having a great 15 to 30 minute catch up. Um, and so th- those are the things that, that stand out to, to me. And I, I think that the, uh, the millennial generation, I can't speak for Gen Z, but as a, as a millennial, I think that that was something that was driven home is that even if you don't work in person and even my most introverted friends that it, you got to pry them out of the house sometimes, um, have made more of an effort since we've been back out into the world to just do stuff to get a beer sometimes, you know, and, and that sort of thing. So that, that's, that's been my, what I've learned, I think through all this. I was, I was going to say that. (laughs) 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 No, that, that I I think it's a really good definition or or, uh, explanation, Tyler, because it's almost like, you know, we take things for granted because we're stupid humans and we get in this habit of thinking that we're owed this or that, you know, we're going to have a tomorrow, which there's no proof of that yet until tomorrow. Um, And I think a lot of it, and my take on it, of what you said is that there's no practice. This is it. We don't get, this is not dress rehearsal. This is this is the deal, man. This is the big game. This is the dance, so to speak. And you got to figure out how to embrace that. And, and I think that what, what I learned from the pandemic was we took a lot of stuff for granted, a, you know, where you could just get on an airplane and go somewhere and go do something or, you know, walk into a store uh, without being strip searched and a mask thrown around you. Um, but I think it was a realization that, you know, we got to take care of our relationships. We got to make sure we check in on people. I'm not a big chit chat guy, you know, I'm because I'm a mission driven person. I've got a, you know, I keep this stupid list right here all the time of what I've got going on, but it also taught me, Hey, take a breath, man. Call Mike, you know, send him a text, see what he's into. Um, so I hope we learn. I hope we have learned and continue to learn from that, and uh, to embrace those little, those little hotel lobby couch conversations in a good way. Mike, by the way, <laughs> I, I think to to synthesize almost what you're saying, create more intentional communication. So there you go. Like text Mike, call Mike, and make right. sure to to say hey to him. And then also appreciate the unintentional communication that we get to have with one another. I, like if I were to synthesize it, it would be, it would be that. No, well said. Make make an effort to be a decent human. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> so, well, Mike, and we could probably go on for four more hours of this, but I just looked down and it's forty eight after the hour, and um, Tyler. This man is on a mission all the time. And at the top of every hour, he just looks at me and goes like this. So I don't ever <laughs> like to, I don't like to get there. But uh, I, well, I just, Greg knows well, if we go one minute past the top of the hour, I bill him for the full hour. So you know, <laughs> he's like an attorney. He's like an yeah, attorney. That's right. That. that's right. No partial hours here. I thought about you last night. Here's your invoice. So, um, <laughs> yeah. But I really, I really do. Uh, appreciate you you taking time and coming on with us and spending a few minutes and 
we've talked about a lot of cool stuff and, and uh, you know, every, every time we get through recording, I, I have these notes over here because I live by this crazy little, uh, I forget what you call these notebooks, these little moleskin. How can I forget that? But um, just good stuff bubbles up. So uh, this is like cathartic medicine for me. So thank you for uh, being my Dr. Phil this morning. <laughs> it's always a pleasure talking to you, Greg. Yeah, this is fun. Anytime we get together, you know, it's, it's like we just connect as soon as we just left off like we talked yesterday. <laughs> well, let's make it a point not to wait so long next time and uh, have some of those sporadic conversations. So, um, well, Tyler, great job of keeping this uh, this cyclone on track, brother. You You have a knack for it. I do, I do my best. I do my best. Uh, not always the easiest, but uh, no, this is so much fun. So much fun getting to do this. And Michael, thank you again for joining us here on Straight Outta Crumpton. It was, uh, it was a blast having you on. Thank you, guys. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. Greg, another episode down three days in a row where we've gotten to chat. It's been, a, it's been awesome, man. It's been awesome. This has been fun. So now we've got to wait seven whole days by my calendar. So... I guess we'll catch up next week and be on a normal schedule. Normal. Yeah, that is. No, unless no, you, no, no, uh, we won't because I'm going to be in Houston. I'll be doing this, this great event. So. Oh, that's right. You get, I get, you get a retrieval, man. So you're a, you're a lucky guy. <laughs> you're going to have to create some intentional <clears throat> conversation. I will. I promise you that. All right. All right. I look forward to it. Well, everyone, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Straight Out of Crumpton. We appreciate it very much. As always, gregcrumpton.com is the website if you want to learn more. Uh, and you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. But for this episode, for Michael Donahue and Greg Crumpton, I'm Tyler Kern. We'll talk to you next time.